You found Waffle, the bite-sized podcast with Paul Jenkins. In this episode, he speaks to journalist Helen Nugent, and this was originally broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 3rd of November, 2019. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Waffle segment. I am delighted uh, to be joined in the studio by Helen Nugent. Good afternoon, Helen. Good afternoon. It's lovely to be here. It is. It's officially, I think, one of our first dark interviews we've done since uh, the, the clocks have gone back. And is that metaphorical it's, or it's, is that real? It could be. I don't, you don't know which direction I'm going to take this in. Uh, but uh, yes, the, the evenings are drawing in. Uh, but uh, you are a journalist, uh, our, first, our first journalist on the Waffle segment oh, as well. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, so we're, we're delighted and honoured, and hopefully uh, you'll give us a good write-up at some point or another. Uh, <laughs> Of course, of but course. Uh, yeah, um, but uh, yeah. So, uh, what, what, what do you? How, do, how do you do that? Where does that come from? How do you start in how journalism? Do you, how do you begin to be a journalist? Yeah. I think you have to really, really want to. Yeah. Uh, I I'm from Bury originally, mm-hmm. and I'd always wanted to be a journalist since I knew what the word meant. Never ever wanted to be anything else. Mm-hmm. So it came as a huge relief that I could actually get a job in journalism, because <laughs> otherwise I might have been a bit stuck. So yes, I went to London and, and, and you know went to seek my fortune, as it were. And is this like? I mean, this is not the same as being a poet. Being a poet, you wake up one day and go, "I'm going to be a poet," and then you start. This is takes years of, of study and of, of kind of slogging it's, it out. It's and... tricky. I mean, today, for instance, I teach music journalism mm-hmm. at Salford University. But when I was starting out, because I'm so old, uh, I would. Obviously, I don't look it, do I, I Paul? I'm supposed no. to come I was letting you in full flow. It's fine. But you don't look it, Helen. I don't look it, Helen. <laughs> Too late. Too late. <laughs> Missed that. So I I did apply for a journalism course mm. at what would have been in Preston and didn't get it. And then I thought, well, and there wasn't the journalism degrees and things that you had now. Not that I would have done one. I did, you know, mm. a really useless arts degree in English literature. Useless arts degree in drama. It's yes. <laughs> and so I went to London because I really, really wanted to work for a newspaper, mm. but a big newspaper. That was always my dream to be on The Guardian sure. or something like that. And I became a secretary for publishers. Mm-hmm. With the express wish of like, okay, well, I'm sort of in the industry now. You've got yeah, and it was just a case of because I I didn't have any qualifications for journalism, right. so it was a case, it was a numbers game. That's always that's what I always call it. Mm. Knocking on lots and lots of doors, asking people if they just have a coffee with me, would they see me? Sending out what then was letters, not emails, because we're talking about the nineties to, <laughs> to lots of people. I mean, my niece would my niece who lives locally is called Scout. Hi, Scout. Uh, she wouldn't understand what I know. I was talking about if I said I was posting letters. I know. There's, there's, I remember that. Day at my university, we, we were assigned an email address on that on my first day at uni. We, we just sat there looking at it, going, "What's this? What am I going to do with this?" And it was like a, a code you had. To that crack. internet thing will never last. It's like, no, it's, it's a flash in the pan. It's a flash in the pan, <laughs> yes. And eventually, after I mean, I must be talking maybe a couple of hundred mm. applications. And please, you know, come and meet me and tell me how to be a journalist. Mm. I ended up getting my first ever job in journalism. This tiny little trade paper about insurance. We're earning a. Even thinking back now, I don't know how I lived in London on that salary. And I just worked my way up. I just thought, well, if they can do it, I can. And I did feel, I mean, I, I admit to you, I did feel at a disadvantage being from the north and, yeah. and being saying bath and not bath and grass and not grass. I'm not going to correct you. I've lived here 15 years now. I'm not local. <laughs> I'll, I will never be local. And being a girl and I hadn't been to Oxbridge and I hadn't been to private school. I'd just been to a comp. Yeah. And even today, that is still, I think, it is seen as a disadvantage, but it needn't be. No. Uh, so, yeah, I just eventually 
started freelancing and I was a financial journalist, business journalist. And that led on in the in the, the longer term. What, what, uh, you know, this isn't not staying at an insurance trade paper. This, no, that wasn't my fa- dream. The fairly There's a fairly hefty CV to, if you, if you, you know, just from, <laughs> from chatting for about two minutes, it's like, oh, yeah, just throw into conversation. Well, I was at the Times for a bit and there was, a, I mean, what publications have you written for in various capacities? It's, it's easy. It's, oh, God, it sounds really, <laughs> sounds very unnorthern to be saying, oh, well, I've for this paper and this paper but yeah the truth is I ended up at the Times and I was there for 10 years mm-hmm. and I did all manner of things business finance and then I was a lobby correspondent which means that you're in the House of Commons sure. I was a transport writer I was a crime reporter I was a news editor and, um, this, is, and this is not just a case of people pitching in this is you know this is these are like full departments of, of, of journalists or work oh yeah this, so the, it's called home news it's like when you pick up the paper it's the sort of the first half yeah and so I used, you know, I've got a lot of memorabilia on my wall at home in Ramsbottom with front pages and and stuff I've done like that. And I used to do a lot of investigative work. And it was, yeah, it was great. But 10 years was enough. So mm. I, I, and I, I came back, came back and, and bought a house in Ramsbottom about nine years ago. And never looked back. And never looked mm. back. And so I became a freelancer. And it, it, it just sort of artificially boost your CV when you're a <laughs> freelancer because it, you, you can you list all these publications. Mm. And it does seem like, wow. But it's true. I, I mean, I have freelanced for pretty much all the nationals. And when I came back here, I was doing reporting for The Guardian, The Mail on Sunday, The Observer, papers like that. And I worked for the BBC for a bit. I, I was going to say, because you were saying about it inflating your CV, I did a six-week contract for the BBC once. That's staying on that <laughs> top of my CV ever, forever. Well, I, I worked for their business team, so I did a, I did some presenting on all, all sorts of local radio, but I also did some of the producing and presenting on Five Live. Mm. So that was really interesting, being in Media City on and off for a couple of years. And, yeah, when people ask me to do stuff, do stuff. But increasingly, actually, I, I now do teaching. I teach music journalism at Salford. I'm the editor rather incongruously, of a magazine called uh, Nuclear Future, which is about nuclear power. I write for a Catholic magazine. My goodness. I write a, for, a... Today I was writing about knife crime for the Trading Standards Institute. and There's a lot going on. Yeah, there. so okay. I, I'm a we're, good juggler. We're going to come back, uh, I think, in the in the next part of the interview, we're going to be uh, talking about, particularly about your... your big project about northern soul yes about, that's my that's my uh your baby your that's my baby, baby. Um, yeah. before we do that we ask our guests um to uh, to choose three songs and um, that, that kind of appeal to them uh, and now we had to do some detective work all right uh, <laughs> did i give to, you a tricky one you gave us a tricky one mm. my, my midweek email this week was right can we find rotten stool and you'll fail uh now what was it <laughs> rotten stool Ro- rotten stool so, sorry no it's rotten stool i think you'll find <laughs> just there was bath no it's not it's rotten stool <laughs> rotten stool uh, and you'll fail uh now this is uh, what was it that particularly drew you? Well, I bought a CD a while ago called, uh, I think it's called Deep Lancashire, because mm. uh, I became quite a big folk fan, particularly when I moved back here and I realised the incredible history. Yeah. And I'm pretty obsessed by the industrial history of the North, particularly the Northwest. So I was really pleased, for example, when the Helmstrom Museum reopened. Yeah. And this song just really, really appealed to me. It's jolly. It's a bit bawdy. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different versions of it. I think one of the early ones I listened to is Horton Weavers. Mm-hmm. And of all the songs on that old folk tradition dialect CD, that was the one that just really made me quite cheerful. Fantastic. Well, we're going to leave you. We're going to put you with that. So it's Rotten Stall and you're fair.
there you go bring you bring you some folk on a sunday afternoon i love that's, that song so much is it i was because you were telling me that the rotten store the rotten store i've got to get it right rotten store the rotten store annual fair it's got a little uh, neck motion to go with it uh, <laughs> the rotten store annual fair is, uh, is is kind of making a comeback I well i want to mm. i mean i go to so many things and so they did kind of blow into one a bit but yes i went to a reincarnation of it a few mm. years ago and they did want to bring it back. I don't know what happened this year. Perhaps some of the listeners will know, because mm. uh, I had a I had a super busy summer. But it's a very old tradition. It, mm. it goes back a long way, which, which is why there's a folk song about it. Well, indeed, if it's if it's got a bit of local history, somebody has sung about it with a squeeze box and a, and a ukulele at some yes. point or another and in a, cheer, in a cheer some people up in the process. Exactly, uh, which is what we are here to do on, <laughs> uh, on Rossendale Radio. Um, and now that I think that kind of segments quite nicely into into Northern Soul. Yeah, um, because Northern Soul is is a massive celebration and it's a huge website you cover pretty much all of the north yeah we decided you know we, we needed a bit more to do we didn't have enough of course <laughs> uh yes i started northern salt it's a website mm. about the north of england mm-hmm. and it's stuff to do things to think about that's our strap line and we write about all sorts about the north but yes we do go all the way up pretty much almost to the scottish border i, I was going to say it's interesting as well i'd love to know where you think the north starts well we did an article on that obviously right. uh a few years ago one of my writers did it because my granddad will disagree We came to the conclusion it started at Stoke. Right, because he thinks Watford Gap Services. Yes, but that's another school of thought. It's it's a kind of, there's a bit of the M1. We did it off Granada land, you know, as as was. Mm. How far did the broadcasting go? Yeah. And we decided that it was probably Stoke. But I mean, a lot of the articles we do, it's meant to provoke debate and a bit of, you know, healthy chit chat. So, yeah, that's pretty much where we go to. But we also have a philosophy at Northern Soul that if you're in the North and it's happening here somewhere, like a Harry Potter film, (laughs) then that's fine. So we interviewed Daniel Radcliffe a few years ago because you could go to your local cinema in Bury and go and see absolutely the yeah, Goblet of Stoke Goblet of Fire my niece gob- will kill me if I get that wrong Philosopher's gob- Stoke sorry Scout <laughs> Cobbler <laughs> of Fire oh I'm in trouble now it's the Cobbler of Fire and the, and the, and, of fire. And the Philosopher of Stoke that's, that was that's, it, that's, that's right. where it goes so and also what I kind of see that the website as being is about as long as it's written by northern people mm-hmm. or it has a, a northern sentiment or it is about something uber local because we yeah. do that too then it, it can be on there so and the quality of the writing it should not look out of place and say the guardian other times on a saturday mm-hmm. both papers i've written for so i know sort of to a degree how they work that's the quality of journalism that should be on there and we cover all sorts for instance this week we've got an interview with chris hitchin who is the star of the new ken loach film all oh, right and he's actually I from the guy about the delivery driver. Yeah, about the sort of gig economy. Yeah. And he was actually a pupil of one of the writers from Northern Soul who does voice coaching. Brilliant. And he lives in Salford. Well, actually lives in Bolton now, but he's from Salford. And she did a lovely interview with him. And last week we did a piece about female wrestling. That was happening <laughs> in Presswich, obviously. As you do. I, I recently interviewed Bill Bryson mm-hmm. for the site. He's one of my literary heroes. And John Craven. Recently. John Craven. Oh, that was, that was lovely. <laughs> I hosted an event at Rochdale Literature Festival and met the legend that is John Craven. Mm. And he is just as nice and real. Life. I was going to say from from reading the article afterwards, it kind of like you were just effusing niceness oh, from, from he everything. Is. He was just so lovely, yeah. and so were the audience. Actually, we had, it was a it was a it was a top evening. So this week we might go and review a restaurant somewhere, a meal. We might tweet something silly. We have something a bit daft on the sign. I should give you the address so I, mm-hmm. so I can have some free promotion. It's, of course, it's northern so, northernsoul.me.uk, mm-hmm. and we have Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can find us quite easily, and. 
we have a bit of fun. Ginnel Watch. Oh, no, I was going to ask you about Ginnel Watch because it's one of my favourite pieces of the site on Facebook. Who doesn't love a good Ginnel? I I mean, there are some classic Ginnels on there. Yes. And and at first I was going to get argumentative and say, that's an alleyway, what are you talking about? But no. Well, sometimes for badness I've put a really wide ginnel on there just oh. to see if people get a bit cross and my goodness do they <laughs> uh so we've we have ginnels sent in from czech republic dominican republic canada france but as long Spain. as as long as they're north of stoke we're okay that's the- <laughs> i mean ginnels just the reason i start that i just love the word ginnel it does sound good and as it turns out as we discovered when we started it me my, my deputy emma there's lots of different words for ginnel in the north, depending where you're from. Mm. And my mum calls it a cinder path. Right. So she's from Newcastle and the path, the path used to be black from the coal. Oh, okay. I think that's a really romantic, lovely name, cinder path. Yeah. Snicket, Snicket's a Snickets, good name. Somebody else mentioned Snicket. So I think that's a Lan- Lancastrian, I think, is, is Snicket. There's a couple uh, of Lancastrians that I know. That, the Jitty. Jitties. Uh, there's loads of them. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, and this is it, it, it's like opening up a can of worms. It's, it's like every time that you know it periodically goes round to well, what's a balm cake called? Like, we did an article on that. We did an article about what do you call bread after mm-hmm. I attempted to order something at Manning's in Ramsbottom, I mean, and it took me virtually ten minutes to get what I thought was a bread roll, but was not a bread roll. No, my when when we first went to Blackpool as a kid, my dad came back from the chippy, going, "They sell desserts in the chippy." I was like, "What are you talking about?" He said, "I've come back with cakes, balm cakes," <laughs> yeah. and, and we saved it to the end. It was really disappointed when we finished our dinner and opened up three bread rolls it was not so we've done a piece on that we what you call bread because then two doors up at the chippy is a different name again mm. so i do have a lot of long conversation i just point now yeah i think that's the thing is that there's such a kind of there's a rich diversity in the north that you can't just package everything up in one go yeah. and you've got that's why i think northern soul has got such a breadth to it because it's you, you you're trying to cover the, what defines the north and i am but i also think that there is a northern identity mm. within that i mean i would call myself Northern would probably be the f- first word I would use. Northern, English, British, European. Mm. And, but I think Northern, now I've been back here for about nine, ten years. That is, that would be my first way of identifying myself. And although, yes, there are regional variations that literally are, mm. you know, half a mile apart, which I love that idea, particularly the language, the language changes and the dialect. I do like the idea that there is a sense of something called northernness. Yeah. And I think we try to evoke that in Northern Soul. And it's a mixture. I, mean, you, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it, 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 it yeah, it's a mixture of humour, intelligence, affection, um, self-deprecation. Mm-hmm. And having lived in the South for 14 years and come back, I do see a really, really big difference. It is. I mean, I go visiting family all the time and you do you do get a, a sense of it's not necessarily one is better than the other for, for, because of having lived in both. It's more there is a very stark contrast in, in a kind of direction of life and the way that you want to go about doing things yeah um, and that's uh, you know never never is there, there more of a time than when everyone's talking about the way the country's going to be run but we shan't go there right now oh, no let's not go into politics, <laughs> let's not, let's go into politics because it's sunday and we like it um right so um uh, Bran Argyll is your next choice on the musical. Uh, choice. We've got a bit of Van the Man. Uh, why? Why? why you know, I don't have a really good reason for this. If Just I had to pick this song. for Desert Island Discs, I'd have a rubbish answer <laughs> as to why I wanted it. I just love it. I've yeah. been listening to it since I was a young teenager when I wasn't into any of his other music or indeed that era. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it makes me feel, if I'm feeling sad, I will genuinely go and find that song and put it on. Mm. I think it's a song that makes people feel happy. And that's really the sole reason for choosing it. And that's what music should do. Here's Van Morrison. Cross the Nail Radio. 
It's Van Morrison with Brown Eye Girl there. Uh, right, we're back uh, for our final part of our, of our interview with, with Helen Nugent of Northern Soul. Uh, and uh, we've just been chatting about, about music uh, and about particularly about music journalism. Uh, and about, you mentioned earlier on in the interview that, uh, that you actually teach music journalism. I do. Is Salford? Yeah, at Media City Campus mm-hmm. for Salford University. Yes, I started that back in January. So I'm back for the next semester in January coming. Yeah, it's the music journalism course, so it's the whole of the second semester. It's a very popular course. Mm. It's part of the journalism degrees that they offer. And so second year, so yeah, 20-year-olds. I mean, I've never felt so old in my <laughs> life. At one point, when some, I'd mentioned someone, hey, yeah, maybe I mentioned Books Fizz or something. And they, one of them said, oh, yeah, my mum used to listen to them. I said, the next person that says my mum used to listen to them fails the course, okay? At least it wasn't my grandma listening to them. That's a- <laughs> oh, don't. Probably that's going to come next year. I, I, I've, I've taught people and they've, they've said, oh, yeah, my, my granddad did that. Like, that that's not good. <laughs> And you do feel ancient and sort of invisible when you teach ventures. Yeah. But I have to say, I really love it. But it's not the first time I've done teaching. I've been teaching journalism on and off in a sort of guest lecturer role for years. So I did quite a lot of teaching at Westminster University on their advertising and PR course. And I've guest lectured at various journalism schools like City University in London. So, But this is the first time I've done uh, you know, a proper full-on whole semester mm-hmm. and it is it's a lot of hours you they, you do get into a lot of detail so I was even going back and teaching them one of the weeks about the history of music writers and journalism sure. and talking to them about a journalist called Lester Bangs <laughs> who who has the best journalism name ever I was going to say if you're making a rival <laughs> and if you've seen Almost Famous that he's in it the mm. film it's it's based on a sort of like, true time and he was a, a journalist for Rolling Stone magazine and so we do all that as well I mean, but we talk about some of the stuff like Louder Than War which is a um, John Rob Runs which is a Manchester based music site and we, you know we do music documentaries although it did depress me a little bit when everybody nobody had heard for instance of In Bed With Madonna which was this music documentary oh in the early 90s well yeah that was that was all over the and place. it was a for seminal one because it, it sort of professionalised music documentaries yeah. and made them very slick none of them never mind having never seen it they'd never heard of it so that's part of my <laughs> they'd heard of Madonna though that yeah the comment was well she's done it right for herself <laughs> so the the joy of some of the joy of the course is introducing mm. the students to things that I remember being very important in my musical sort of journey, if you can call it that rather yeah. potentially. And also they've taught me loads of things. So I came away from the last semester just listening to all these different musicians mm. that I might not necessarily have really got to know otherwise. So it is a kind of symbiotic thing. And some of them are now writing for me for Northern Soul, mm-hmm. which is brilliant. And the enthusiasm of them and the humour. So I, I've really, I've really loved it. It is good. I mean, it's like we had, um, we had a songwriter, Matt Rind was in last week talking uh, about, about the process of songwriting. But it, it is nice when you hear new music for the first time and you actually, you can then go away to somebody and say, have a listen to this. This is, this is either, you know, what I think is going to be the next big thing or it's at the very least this music has spoken to me and it's when you are having that conversation with people about music there's something yeah that yeah we, that i think we probably had a little while ago but now music is much more fractured in the way that it's sort well, of it's produced. quite unusual for them to listen to a whole album mm. because 
and I hadn't realised this really until I started talking to them and to the students in depth about it, that yes, they wouldn't sit down and listen to a whole album like we would. You know, I'd save up yeah. my pocket money, I'd go to NSS and Berry, I'd buy that vinyl for like £3.50 and I would go home and listen to that all the way through over and over mm-hmm. again. They don't consume music like that because they have Spotify and streaming. Yeah. So we do one of the courses we do, they have to do an album review and I think some of them found it a bit of a challenge because mm. that's not how they consume tunes. Yeah. But again, is in- so it's interesting finding out well how do you find music compared to how i did when i was in you know late 80s early 90s mm. but then, you know they all love the Manchester scene and oasis so i bring in special guests yeah to to come and talk to them so we've had clint boone in from the inspiral carpets we've had roetta from happy mondays mm. uh we've had- they're, they're actually there and doing it and can talk yeah about it. well if they can talk about it they probably oh they know. talk about it but it's all censored there's no <laughs> I was gonna say, we can't it's talk all, about it's it all off the record it's-, <laughs> it's all off the record because i think you should again how i became a journalist i think you just learn by doing learn mm. by listening is is a brilliant way to be educated and and also I enjoyed it just as much as they do because hearing people like Greta from Happy Mondays and Clint from Inspirals is is just is probably even more thrilling for me because I was like buying their singles. Yeah, it's that yeah that's that, that sort of interaction with with people. It's, it's when you see people. I mean, Inspiral Carpets. I think they did Ram, Ramy Festival, didn't they? Was that, they did. Uh, yes, I saw them at Ramy Festival. And that, that, that was a real high point. But it was that moment where that song that you'd heard twenty years ago, and then yeah. suddenly they're playing it in front of you. Go, you know what? I'm, I feel like I might as well have been there twenty years ago. But I was I was dancing in my living room when I was a kid at the time. Yeah, and now it's, can I can go home and get to bed early and and sit by the fire. Exactly. <laughs> That's how old I am now. <laughs> Yes. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in the studio this no, afternoon. No, my Helen. pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Um, well, now, you've, uh, your final choice uh, is one of, uh, when, when you put this on, on your on list of, of, of requests, uh, I, I immediately went, <gasps> from one of my favourite films. Yes, mine too. Uh, uh, this is uh, Blister in the Sun by Violent Femmes. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is it? A gross, is it from, gross, point blank. gross Point Blank. It is one of my favourite films. In fact, it was on the other night, mm. but I sort of know it off by heart, so I had a little break before I watch it again. And it's John Cusack mm-hmm. in Mini Drive. It has the most astonishing soundtrack. It does. And Blister in the Sun is, again, a song that just, if you're feeling a little bit tired or a bit apathetic, you turn it on, you're like, okay, no, this is this is why music works. This is why music's important. And I just love this song. And it reminds me of the film, which really makes me laugh. Excellent. Thank you very much, Helen. So that's another edition of Waffle, the bite-sized podcast that has come to an end, sadly. I want to say a massive thank you to Helen Nugent, who came into the studio to chat to me about journalism and about Northern Soul and about all the exciting things going on. And next week, we have our Remembrance Day special, where we'll be taking to George Melling uh, about everything, the power of poetry, when we are thinking of remembrance. Uh, I want to say a massive thank you to Lee Ball, who produces Waffle, the bite-sized podcast in association with Rossendale Radio. We will see you again next week.